I want to take as my text this morning that second reading from 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verses 6 through 13. 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verses 6 through 13. If you're making use of the Pew Bible, you can find that text on page 1176. Paul's second letter to the Thessalonians, 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, and beginning at verse 6, which I'd like us to read again. 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, and beginning at verse 6. The Apostle Paul writes, And we command you, brothers, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, that you keep away from any brother who's walking in idleness and not according to the traditions that you have received from us. For you yourselves know how, we ought, how you ought to imitate us because we were not idle when we were with you, nor did we eat anyone's bread without paying for it, but rather with toil and labor we worked night and day that we might not be a burden to any of you. It was not because we do not have the right to be supported, but to give you in ourselves an example to imitate. For even when we were with you, we would give you this command, if anyone is not willing to work, let him not eat. For we hear that there's some among you who walk in idleness, not busy at work, but busy bodies. And now such persons we command to and encourage in the Lord Jesus Christ to do their work quietly and to earn their own living. And as for you, brothers and sisters, do not grow weary in doing good. This morning I want to talk about the Christian principle of work and self-sufficiency. The Christian principle of work and self-sufficiency. And it was the apostles themselves who taught this principle of work and self-sufficiency. Indeed, the principle it's put, simply put is found in verse 10. Notice again, verse 10. For even when we were with you, he's talking to these believers at Thessalonica. He had planted a church there. Now he's writing from another, another location, but he's writing to them and referring back to, you know, when I was with you. For even when we were with you, that is, Paul and his companions, those are named, by the way, in the first part of the letter, Silas and Timothy, Paul, Silas, and Timothy, when we were with you, we would give you this command, if anyone's not willing to work, let him not eat. And so that's the principle. And Paul says that those who reject this principle of work and self-sufficiency place themselves outside of the tradition and the teaching of the apostles. Indeed, notice uh, again verse 6. Now we, we command you, this apostolic authority, we command you, brothers and sisters, as the case may be, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, they even invoke the name of Christ into what they're saying, that you keep away from any brother who's walking in idleness, that is someone who doesn't work, and lives not according to the tradition that you receive from us. Now what exactly... He means by uh, don't have anything to or keep away from such a person. It's a little not quite clear. In fact, if you, if you notice uh, verses uh, 14 and 15 of this same chapter 3, notice, if anyone does not obey what we say in this letter, take note of that person and have nothing to do with him 
that he may be ashamed. But notice verse 15. But do not regard him as an enemy, but warn him as a brother. So it's not exactly clear. This isn't, he's not talking about what we might think of as like excommunication. But the point is, is that there's a problem with this. <laughs> That's the least that we can say about it. And so those who reject the principle of work and self-sufficiency place themselves outside of the apostolic tradition. And this which is important, by the way. We call ourselves what? An apostolic church. The apostles aren't just take it or leave it. And so the principle of work and self-sufficiency is apostolic. And so to reject the principle is to put oneself at odds with the apostles. Indeed, uh, living at odds is, it would seem, as I just mentioned, no small thing. Now, given the fact, as Paul says in another place, that the apostles form the foundation for God's household, the church. He wrote famously in Ephesians chapter 2, beginning at verse 19, and God's household, that is the church, is built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. In fact, they are his apostles. The word apostle comes from the Greek apostello. It means sent ones. He said, go into all the world, baptizing in the name of the Father and the Son, making disciples, teaching them everything that I taught you. They don't speak on their own behalf. They speak on, on his behalf. And this principle is from him as well, Paul says. And so to reject the principle of work and self-sufficiency is to put oneself at odds with the apostles of Christ. And then Paul adds that rejecting the principle of work and self-sufficiency leads to nothing good. <laughs> right? What's the opposite of what we're talking about here? Well, notice verse 11. For we here, in fact, this was a problem when they were there, when they were planting the church in Thessalonica, and apparently it continued to be a problem. Notice verse 11. For we hear that some among you walk in idleness, not busy at work, but busy bodies. In fact, you've got plenty of time to be a busybody when you aren't busy yourself, right? And so Paul says that those who fail to look after themselves and their own affairs, that is, those who live undisciplined and irresponsible lives, or as Peterson described them in the message, those who are lazy good-for-nothings, instead of looking after themselves and their own affairs, they become troublesome minders of other people's affairs. And Paul says that the only remedy for uh, uh, for falling short of the principle of work and self-sufficiency is to recommit to it. I think for some people, it'll come as a great surprise, like, you mean that's in the Bible? <laughs> yeah, it is. I just read it. And it's not, um, it's not just a New, Test New Testament principle. In fact, the earliest reference to it is in Genesis chapter 3 and verse 19. It's all through the Bible. But to remedy following, falling short of the principle is to recommit to it. Notice verses 11 and 12. For we hear that some among you walk in idleness, not busy at work, but busy bodies. Verse 12. Now such persons we commend and we encourage in the Lord Jesus Christ to do their work quietly, not as gossips. I mean, this is sort of a reference to focus on your stuff. 
get settled and stop going about causing problems. Such persons we command and encourage in the Lord Jesus to do their work quietly and to earn their own living. And so the remedy for falling short of the principle of work and self-sufficiency is to recommit to it, to embrace personal responsibility and to commit oneself, oneself to earning one's own living. And so the apostles taught the principle of work and self-sufficiency. But not only that, they not only taught it, the apostles also practiced the principle of work and sufficiency. Indeed, the apostles themselves worked and were self-sufficient. Indeed, notice uh, verses uh, 7 through 8. For you yourselves know how you, how you ought to imitate us. That's what you do with an example. You imitate it. You yourselves know how you ought to imitate us because we were not idle when we were with you. We didn't sit around <laughs> causing trouble. Nor did we eat anyone's bread without paying for it. But with toil and labor we worked night and day that we might not be a burden to any of you. And so when they were in Thessalonica, Paul and Silas and Timothy, they did gospel ministry, and yet they also worked to earn money in order to provide for their basic needs. Indeed, Paul, as we know it, was a, uh, a maker of tents and things of similar composition. In fact, in his uh, very interesting book, Thomas uh, Cahill, the, his book, uh, The Desire of the Everlasting Hills, he makes reference to Paul and Luke, what Luke in the Acts of the Apostles tells us about him. Cahill wrote this. He said, in the Acts of the Apostles, Luke says that Paul was a tent maker. That is one who had skill in using special tools for the making and mending of tents, awnings, pavilions, and other protections against the sun and weather as were erected throughout Mediterranean lands at, at open-air markets, fairs, and regional athletic events. And since the materials for such temporary structures were supplied by the customer, Paul needed only his tools, his sickle, his awl, his needles and his wax thread to open shop in any city or town. And so this was great. All he needed was his tools, and he could go from Philippi to Thessalonica to Berea to Corinth to Athens, and he had his business in a bag. <laughs> and he could make awnings and pavilions and tents, and he could do repairs on any of these items because those who... He hired and commissioned, provided all the other materials that would be, after he worked on them, be handed over to him. And so the apostles worked and were self-sufficient. Perhaps it was Silas and Timothy who assisted Paul in engaging in this uh, gainful employment. And uh, their work of are there working and being self-sufficient, the Apostle Paul says, was intended to be a model because there was a problem at Thessalonica. Indeed, notice again verses 7 through 9. For you yourselves know how you ought to imitate us because we were not idle when we were with you, nor did we eat anyone's bread without paying for it, nor, uh, but rather we, we did toil and labor. We worked night and day that we might not be a burden to any of you. Verse 9 
It was not because we did not have a right. He's referring to a right as a minister of the gospel to receive from them. It was not because we do not have a right, but we did it in order to give you in ourselves an example to imitate. And so... Paul says that he and the apostolic, his apostolic companions, they had a right to expect support uh, for their gospel ministry. In fact, this is a principle that you find throughout the Bible. And Paul talks about it. In fact, there's a passage in 1 Corinthians chapter 9 that sort of talks about this and makes reference to the Old Testament and various different things. In 1 Corinthians chapter 9 and beginning at verse 4, the apostle writes this. He says, do we not have a right to eat and drink? <laughs> At your expense is what he's saying to the church in Corinth. Or is it only Barnabas and I who have no right to refrain from working for a living? Who serves as a soldier, he says, at his own expense? Who plants a vineyard without eating of its fruit? Or who tends a flock without getting some of the milk? And do I say these things on human authority? Does not the law say the same? He's making a reference to the law. The law of Moses. For it is written in the law of Moses, you shall not muzzle the ox while, uh, while it treads out the grain. As it goes around, don't put a muzzle on it. If he needs to, he's working, and if he needs to reach down his head and eat some of the grain, let him eat it. He's working. He deserves to be fed. You shall not muzzle an ox when it treads out the grain. That's in the law of Moses. And then uh, Paul asks this question. Is it for oxen that God is concerned? Does he not certainly speak this for our sake? It was written for our sake because the plowman should plow in hope and the thresher should thresh in hope of sharing in the crop. And if we have sown spiritual things among you, is it too much if we reap material things from you? Do you not know that those who are employed in the temple, he's making reference to the priests and the Levites, do you not know that those who are employed in the temple service get their food from the temple? The priests and the Levites, they ate the, the sacrifices that were brought to the temple. That's how they continue to exist. Do you not know that those who are employed in the temple service get their food from the temple and those who serve at the altar share in the sacrificial offerings? And in the same way, the Lord has commanded those who proclaim the gospel that they should get their living by the gospel. That's just one example. 1 Timothy chapter 5, beginning at verse 17, the apostle wrote, And let the elders who rule, he's talking about the priests, the presbyters, let the presbyters who rule well be considered worthy of double honor, especially those who labor in preaching and teaching. And then he quotes Moses, again, verse 18, for the scripture says, you shall not muzzle an ox when it treads out the corn. And Jesus, and then he quotes Jesus who said, the laborer deserves his wages. Galatians 6 and verse 6, let the one who is taught the word share all good things with the one who teaches. It's all over the place. And so Paul and his apostolic companions had a right to expect support for the ministry that they did. And still, given the problem that existed in Thessalonica, where there were people who were failing to work and properly provide for themselves, Paul and his ministry companions chose to forego their right of support 
and added gainful employment to what they were doing in addition to their gospel ministry. And this, Paul says, he, he, they did in order to provide a model of what it looks like to, be, to work and to be self-sufficient. Their motto was not, do as I say and don't do as I do. Their motto was, do as we say and do as we do. And his final exhortation is found in verse 13. Notice, and as for you, brothers, do not grow weary in doing good. That is to say, don't grow weary in doing the good and honorable thing and working and being self-sufficient, assuming that you are able to do so. There are cases, of course, when people are not able to do so and we need to look after them. But when you're able, this is the standard. And so don't go, grow weary in doing what's good and honorable. Don't, don't grow weary in taking personal responsibility and earning a living. For this is God's will for you, the apostle says, in Christ Jesus. Howard Hendricks tells a story about how he was taking a flight back to Dallas after doing some ministry in another city. Dallas, Howard Hendricks, who's since passed on, was for many decades a professor at Dallas Theological Seminary. In fact, he was one of my professors when I was there in the 80s. He tells a story about come flying back to Dallas after he was doing ministry in another city. And he says that there was, the man seated across the aisle from him was being extremely rude to the flight attendant. And then after a few drinks, it only got worse. And still, he says that the flight attendant would serve this man graciously and kindly. In fact, Hendricks was so impressed with this flight attendant that after the, the in-meal, uh, on-flight meal was served, she, he went to the galley to try to find this attendant. And when he, he found, found her, he commended her for, for her remarkable behavior. And then, she, then he asked her for her full name because he, had, and he intended to write a letter of commendation to the president of American Airlines, to which the flight attendant responded, but I don't work for American Airlines. I work for Jesus Christ. <laughs> she must have been very familiar with what the Apostle Paul wrote to the Colossians in Colossians chapter 3 beginning at verse 23. And whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance, His inheritance, as your reward. Perhaps that's something worth keeping in mind. While well, from day to day, you and I are living out the Christian principle of work and self-sufficiency. Amen? Amen. Let us pray. What an empowering thing, really, Lord, to know that this is, this is your will for us in Christ Jesus, that we work. <laughs> And that we contribute and we take responsibility. Indeed, if we're parents, we're, we're supporting one another and supporting our children. We're looking after our parents. Honor your father and mother. And that all is, uh, is possible because we, we, have, we have worked and we have gotten what we need in order to be of service both to ourselves and to others. Even to be of service to you. And then to remember that everything that we do in this might be really helpful if we find ourselves sometimes not particularly enjoying what we're doing, 
But if we can remember that we're doing it for you and that in our minds and hearts we do do it for you, Lord, this is for you. It gives us extraordinary motivation that has an eternal reward connected to it. And so, Lord, we might pray that if we're not doing what we should do, that we would start doing what we should do. And if we are doing what we should do, to maybe see it in a different light, not as a bane, but as a blessing. And this we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.